Can we turn for our scripture reading to the book of Psalms, Psalm and chapter 48, please? The psalm speaks of the, the greatness of God, of his majesty, of his might, and of his power. And we read these words in Psalm chapter 48 and verse 1. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is known in her palaces for a refuge. For lo, the kings were assembled, they passed by together. They saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled and hasted away. Fear took hold upon them there, and pain as of a woman in travail. Thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever, Selah. We have thought of thy loving kindness. O God, in the midst of thy temple, according to thy name, O God, so is thy praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. Walk about Zion and go round about her and tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces that they may tell it to the generation following. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. I would like to take as a text this morning that final verse that we, we read together in Psalm 48. For this God, the psalmist could say, is our God forever and ever. He shall be thy guide, even unto death. You will be aware that the, the book of Psalms is written by a number of different authors. Holy men of God were moved by the Spirit, inspired by the Spirit of God to to write the written word of God. Many of the Psalms, of course, relate to, to personal and, and practical problems that the writer may have been going through in difficult days as an individual as they sought 
to serve the Lord. But then there are other psalms which are psalms of praise and adoration and psalms of rejoicing. There are messianic psalms that speak of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as prophet, priest, and king. Which one of us today could ever forget those psalms that lead us to think upon the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ? In Psalm 22, it it speaks of the Saviour's psalm. Psalm 23, it speaks of the shepherd's psalm. Psalm 24 speaks of the sovereign. We have prophetical psalms, which inform us of the, the imminent advent and return of the lovely Lord Jesus, who one day will burst the clouds, and one day very soon will come with power and with great glory and the Bible says every eye shall see him every knee shall bow every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord throughout the book known as the Psalms we discover that there is enshrined in the various texts of scripture words of great oratory Some of the greatest pieces of poetic literature that can be found in the entire Bible are found in this great book. But often we come across a psalm which was written as a song. A song for for the people of Israel to sing as they contemplated the greatness of God and the goodness of God and the graciousness of God to their hearts and souls. Psalm 48 brings us to that very thought as the greatness and wonder and majesty of the God of heaven is considered. And so for a short while, This morning, I I want us to to focus our thoughts just upon these few words in, in verse 14. For this God is our God. We need to ask ourselves the question, is the God of heaven really our God? Or could it be that you find yourself hearing carried off today and this God the God of heaven we pay lip service to but we have not a personal knowledge of him well the psalmist could say that this God of heaven he's our God forever and forever and forever he could say that this God who is eternal and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. He's our God forever and ever, but he will be our guide. Our guide throughout this life, and our guide in the life hereafter. 
He shall be our guide even unto death. In eternity past, the God of glory surveyed all his wonderful creation. The sun, the moon and the stars. We are informed that he looked upon our galaxy and upon this old world in which we live. Oh, there are many planets bigger than planet Earth. But the Bible says that God so loved this planet Earth that in his wisdom, in his counsel, he decided to send his son to walk the broad acres of this world in which we live. He chose our galaxy, he chose our world in the immensity of space and the universe and yet our God, the Bible says, chose a nation, the nation of Israel. The Bible says he chose a people and he called that people unto himself. He even chose a very city, and it was the great city of Jerusalem. Look what it says in verse 1. It speaks of Zion, that speaks of Jerusalem. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountains of his holiness. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. On the sides of the north, the city of the great king. And so God, in his wisdom, chose the earth. He chose a country. He chose a city and he chose a people for himself. The psalmist could say, this God, this God with all his might and his wisdom and all his power is a gracious God. I have the joy in, in Hebron, in Balamoni, of taking our Bible class and our young people on a Lord's Day morning. We're off for the summer break at the moment. But both myself and a, a fellow elder, Mervyn Story, would take it month about. Not so long back, I suppose it was about two years ago, we decided to go back to the very beginning, the book of Genesis, and we, we decided to, to walk through verse by verse creation and how good and how gracious was God was in those days and it was a fascinating study that thrilled and blessed my heart and soul how in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth by the word of his power I told the, our young people that God stepped out from behind the curtain of nowhere and stood on the platform of nothing and he spoke the entire world into existence. 
We considered the eternality of God. That he is sovereign in the affairs of men. We considered the the majesty of God in the great work of creation. And it was indeed a, a tremendous study. And then we came to the seventh day. But you know, the remarkable thing was, as we were considering day one and day two and and day three, our God is the God of order. And I always wondered, why did he leave man to the sixth day until he made man? Well, of course, he needed to have the vegetation whereupon man would feed. He needed to have that firmament in the heavens so that the gravitational pull would keep us on this earth in which we live. And so there was a whole host of of questions that we sought to ask and that we sought to answer. Then we came to, to Genesis 3 and we considered the fall of man. How the serpent beguiled Eve, you know the story. How she took of the forbidden fruit and she gave to her husband and he did eat and the eyes of them both were opened and we considered how Adam, our federal head, fell from the estate wherein he was created and when he fell, how we sinned in him and fell with him in that first transgression. Because the Bible says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We looked at the very first question of the scriptures where God said, where art thou? And it wasn't that God couldn't find Adam in the garden, but he was asking him, very spiritual question. Where art thou in relation to the command that I gave thee in relation to the forbidden fruit? Don't think for a moment that our God did not know where Adam was. Not for a minute. But you know, we concluded that our God who created all things by the word of his power was and is a very gracious God. Just at that time, I was watching on TV, I don't know whether any of you saw it, the Blue Planet program from David Attenborough. We were dealing with the sea and the contents thereof and how God was to separate the heavens that were above the earth from the heavens that were below the earth. And whilst watching a program, uh, David Attenborough one morning said that they were going to go into a capsule and they were going to go as far down as they could in the North Pole and they were going to endeavour in a capsule to go underneath an iceberg. And so I watched as these men entered into a capsule, as they pumped oxygen into this capsule, as 
the outside got darker and darker and they could see through these windows and they went down the side of the iceberg and after a mile or two, they were able to get right underneath that iceberg and friends, underneath the iceberg were living creatures. Never before known unto man Never before seen by man, because never before had man been so low in those conditions. But our gracious God knew all about those creatures, because it was he who created them from the very beginning. And so the psalmist could say that, that this God is a gracious God who we serve. But he was also able to say this, this God is our God because he is a personal God. Well, let me address the Christians that may be gathered with us today. Dear believer, do you remember that first time when you fell in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we renounced sin and how in an instant of time we were accepted into the beloved and became part of the fold and the family of God. Do you remember that honeymoon experience when as Christians we just simply trusted in his finished all atoning work? How his how his word was precious to us. It was as apples of gold in sockets of silver, as the Bible says. How those times of prayer when we gathered before the Lord and had a, an audience with the king were, were so precious to us when this God was our God. And wild horses wouldn't have kept us away from the meetings on the Lord's Day, from the, from the midweek meeting. What about the people of God? There was no ship in those days like the fellowship of the people of God as we had sweet fellowship the one with the other. I wonder... Do we still feel that way about the things of God now? Is the Lord still as precious to you now as he was way back then when first you came to know him as Savior? Is his work, is his will, is his word, are his people all as precious to you today? as once they were? Or could it be that you have grown cold over the, the passing years? You have become weary in the battle. You are worn out as a, a pilgrim on his way to the celestial city. You've been prone to wander, prone to stray, prone to fail. I wonder, has Satan got the victory? And has he stolen away, all of a sudden, the song 
that we once had for the Saviour. If that's the case, beloved, then we need to get back to Calvary. We need to fall in love with him over and over again. Because the psalmist could say that this God, he's a gracious God, but this God is our God. He's a personal God. Do you know anything about this personal God today? You know, he goes one stage further. Because he says, this God, the maker and creator of the heavens and the earth, the one that fainteth not, neither is weary, whose understanding is unsearchable, this God, who's so gracious, he's our God, but he's our God forever and ever. He's a gracious God, he's a personal God, friends, he's an everlasting God. The Bible says that he that believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life given by an everlasting God. The hymn writer put it like this, now I belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to me, and it's not for the year of time alone, but for all eternity. The very moment that the child of God placed his faith and trust in a personal God was the very moment when we became recipients of eternal life. Life without end. Life beyond measure. I wonder, have you ever considered there was never a time when God was not. And there never will be a time when God will cease to be. Never a time when God was not. And there'll never be a time when God will cease to be because he is the giver of eternal life. The psalmist could say that this God He's my God. He's personal to me. And he's going to be with me forever and ever throughout the countless ages of eternity. Friends, it gets better than that as we read on through the text. Because the text continues like this, that this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide. He's a gracious God. He's a personal God. He's an everlasting God. And beloved, he's a guiding God. Not only does he save us, and not only does he keep us, but he guides us every step of our earthly pilgrimage. As we make our way to the, to the new Jerusalem, he guides us, the Bible says, with his eye. In Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24, we read that the steps of a good man are ordered 
by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way, though he fall, and we will fall from time to time. Though he fall, he will not utterly be cast out. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hands. We read in, in Psalm 32, verse 8, the psalmist could say, I will instruct thee and teach thee, saith the Lord, in the way which thou shalt go, and I will guide thee with mine eye. Who could ever forget? Well, I suppose it's my favorite Bible text of Scripture, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, that we should trust in the Lord with all our hearts and we should lean not onto our own understanding in all our ways. We should acknowledge him. And then it says, and he shall direct thy path. He orders our steps. He upholds us by his hand. He guides us with his eye. He directs our path. What a great God we have. Why wouldn't you put your faith and trust in someone who is eternal and unchangeable? Beloved, the Lord endeavors to lead you in life. But I wonder, are we swift to follow after him? We often sing that great old hymn of faith, guide me, O thou great Jehovah, as I pilgrim through this barren land, I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. I wonder, friend, are you being led in your daily walk by him? I wonder if you are still a heart for the God of heaven. I wonder, are you growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus do you love the Lord more this week than you loved him last week? More this year than you loved him last year? This God is a gracious God. This God is a personal God. This God is an everlasting God. This God is a guiding God. Friends, look how this wonderful text concludes. For this God, the God of creation, the God of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, is our God. I wonder, is that true? Can we advocate that this morning? This God is our God forever and ever. He's an everlasting God. He will be our guide. Has he been your guide? Is he your guide today? He will be our guide even unto death. You see, he's a comforting God. He knows us. He saves us. He adopts us into his family. He keeps us. He protects us. Friends, he blesses us. And then one day, he will bring us unto death himself.
We'll never have to cross Jordan alone, dear child of God. For the Lord will be there at the seashore in order to bring us onto our reward. This past week, sadly, we have had three members of our congregation in the Liverpool church, two of whom have been unable to attend for some considerable time through ill health and one who was in fellowship and in membership but each one of them on the 12th and on the 30th and on the 14th of July they went the way of all men unto their heavenly reward but the Lord didn't leave them the Lord didn't forsake them we had the joy of of going over and visiting one of the ladies in hospital and as she was very weak and tried to share with us some of the experiences that she had encountered with the God of glory in her life she said to me Phil I just want to go home she longed for the new Jerusalem she longed for that crown that fadeth not away. And truly we can say that she had fought a good fight. She had finished the course. She had kept the faith. Henceforth there was laid up for her a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give us. And to all those that wait for his appearing. Friends, as we bring our thoughts to a conclusion, do you know anything this afternoon of this gracious God, of this personal God? He was personal to David. He was personal to the major and the minor prophets. He was personal to the disciples. But is he personal to you today in Carried Off? I'm not asking you to answer for the, for the person on the pew in front of you or the person beside you. I'm speaking to you this morning. Is he your God? Can you look back to a time when you prayed the sinner's prayer, God be merciful to me a sinner. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. Come in and take my sins away. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Is he your personal God? Because he's an everlasting God. And he'll be with you forever and forever. And he'll be a guiding God to those who put their faith and trust in him. He'll guide you all the days of your life. He'll give you saving grace in the day when you call upon his name. And friends, he'll give you living grace as you endeavor to work and walk and witness for him in a dark and desperate age in which we live. He'll give you keeping grace. Oh, you don't have to keep hold of him. When we put our faith and trust in Christ, he keeps hold of us. One day, friends, 
He'll give you and I dying grace to by faith put our hand in the nail-pierced hands of the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Do you know, the Bible says that our names, your name, mine, if we have called upon him, our names are written in the very palms of the Saviour's hands. I want to tell you something else about the hands of the Lord Jesus. We could turn in Scripture and it says that our time, your time, my time, it's in his hands. We have our plans, what we want to do tomorrow and what we want to do next week and next month and perhaps even next year. But friends, our time is not in our hands. It's in his hands, our guiding God. For this God, for this God is our God forever and ever. And he shall be our guide even unto death. Do you know him today? Will you not come to him today? Friend, will you not trust him today? Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank thee for a sense of the presence of God today. We can sense the nearness and the closeness of the Spirit and Lord, we believe with all our hearts and souls that we're not here by coincidence this morning. That all that thou hast ordained should be here from eternity past, a present in the meeting this afternoon. Oh Lord, we pray that this meeting might not be held as a testimony one day against those who are gathered in. That there may not be the, the case whereby there will be one individual who will stand before the throne of God and say, but I just didn't know. And that this very service will be brought to account and will be used as a testimony against them that you were told of a personal God, of a gracious God, of an everlasting God, of a loving God, of a God who would be with you throughout the countless ages of eternity and even unto death. Oh Lord, we pray that the Spirit of God might move this afternoon even in the salvation of a precious soul, and that you would bring sinners lovingly unto thyself. That this might be a testimony meeting whereby one day in the realms of glory, a benighted sinner gathered in this morning can say it was there that I done business with the God of heaven.